Welcome to the Future of Tourism podcast. I'm David Peacock. Stop owning your own content. Young leaders are stepping up. Bring everyone to the table. And imagine their world anew. We've talked a lot in this space about how destination organizations are at an existential crossroads where they must do everything they can to become more relevant, essential, and engaged in their home destinations. The question rightly arises, what is the role and function of the destination organization in sustainability? And how will it shift from its current modus operandi to address and leverage these challenges and opportunities? One of the people I know who's been working on the concept of sustainability for the better part of a decade is my friend and peer, Paul Nursey, CEO of Destination Victoria on Vancouver Island in British Columbia, Canada. Paul is one of the founding partners of the Impact Sustainability Travel and Tourism Conference, which is presented every year as a partnership between Destination Greater Victoria, Synergy Enterprises, and Tartan Communications. In this time of mass flux, the 2022 Impact Conference, May 8th to 11th, promises to be a very different beast. Global flooding, fires, crop failures, and erratic weather all point to the fact that climate change as one element of sustainability is wildly out of whack. The annual Impact Conference has been a rallying point for destinations from across North America and some from around the world Every year, the dialogue and recommendations are captured from the annual conference to produce an Impact Conference Proceedings white paper. Here with us today to talk sustainability and the emerging role and function of the tourism organization is my good friend, a respected peer in the industry and a futurist in his own right, Paul Nursey. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Where are you? What's it like? Uh, good morning, David. Uh, great to be here again, and thanks for having me. I'm here in my office in uh, downtown Victoria. A little bit rainy out here, but, you know, uh, cherry blossoms are out. Um, uh, travel restrictions are easing today, uh, both in British Columbia and in Canada. So uh, there's a big sense of optimism. And we're really hopeful for um, some return to revenue, which also helps drive sustainability reinvestment. So, you know, it, it is a, a, a fully integrated system. And it's just great to have the opportunity to be back on the future of tourism. Well, listen, it's really good to talk to you again. We have talked a few times over the course of the pandemic. It's been stop, start, stop, start. Um, I think we are on our way out. I think our way out might take us a couple of years, but I, I do believe we're there. I think we've learned to adapt to a bunch of things that if they come back, we'll have to just deal with them. Um, Victoria in particular took a microscope to itself over the past two years. You were already on this path of becoming... Um, if I may, one of the greenest, most sustainable destinations uh, in a partnership with your with your civic council on the island, not just in Victoria, but on the island, around the island. You were doing things like um, electric airplane flights. Tell me about what that introspection sort of bubbled to the surface during COVID. What's changed? Yeah, so I think um, what's changed has been reinforcing what we want to invest our time in. I think is the most important thing you know we've also faced um, i'll come back to time in a moment but we've also faced directly climate specific um challenges here in british columbia we had something called an atmospheric river this past winter which um uh was rain so intense it literally um 
uh, cut off all access to our major city here, Vancouver. And of course, Victoria, we were a little bit isolated as well, too. So that really brought things home. We had something. So hang on, let, let's, let's, let's highlight that for our guests because some of them haven't heard of it. And it was a bit of a new concept to me. An atmospheric river is a skyborne water plume capable of carrying something ridiculous like 10 Amazons in its, in its path. Yeah. And so, you know, for us in a moderate and temperate climate, the idea of climate change and climate adaptation was kind of far away. You know, uh, we're not in the Indian Ocean with, you know, the, you know, thinking our island may go underwater, but here we were, we were physically cut off. We also experienced something called a heat dome um, in July of 2021, which killed five or 600 uh, people, primarily the, the elderly in their apartments that weren't properly air conditioned, uh, killed up to a billion, um, um, uh, you know, chief uh, seafood, seaf- you know, what we call seafood, but prawns and clams and scallops, which are part of our ecosystem, really wiped out ecosystems. Um, so, so that's been reinforced. It's it's right here in front of us. Um, well, we'll continue. Go, go ahead, uh, go ahead, David. And and I appreciate that being a Canadian. It it just really felt like if we needed an object lesson in the fact that that sustainability was out of whack. We had we had the climate change uh, events of, of never before. They called they called the the um, the uh, what do you call it? atmospheric river? They call it a once in a one thousand year occurrence. Yeah, but it'll be more common, right? And so I think this is a, we're seeing the effects of climate change. On, later on top of that, and I think it's really exciting, is all the work we're doing on, on Indigenous reconciliation. And um, now we're trying to use the word uh, decolonialization. Uh, the other piece that I think is really, really interesting is um, in the tourism space, moving beyond the concept of sustainability and some of the principles like the circular economy, which we fully embraced, in what we're calling regenerative tourism, you know, in terms of what is the model or investments in travel and the benefits of the visitor economy actually help regenerate um, the environment at scale. And that's an exciting opportunity and, and something that our organization is, is embracing. But what it really comes down to, to the destination marketing organization, the marketing side of the DMMMO, if you want to call it that, or the destination organization, is having your best customer segments, right? Understanding who you're targeting and who you're not. And, um, you know, so I think that's been, a, we've, we've tightened that work, um, everything from brand through the persona, through to, um, engaging with our, our customers, because we still need revenue. We still need to be, you know, have, have a vibrant uh, industry, otherwise the small businesses won't make it. It's walking that line and engaging our community, um, lots of consultations. We're heading into another master planning process later this year, which will be very exciting uh, and forward looking. So I, I really think through all this journey, it's, it's, you need to stay hopeful and you need to try and find solutions. And that's why we keep coming back to the Impact Sustainability Travel and Tourism Conference because it's quite easy to be overwhelmed with things like an atmospheric river or a heat dome or forest fires or other situations. But travelers aren't going to stop exploring the world and we don't want them to stop exploring the world. They want to keep the cultural exchange going, the learning and the vibrancy related to our business. But we need to keep adapting and reinventing ourselves and that that work is continuing to happen and what i like about being at the civic level uh, because we're seeing destination canada really embrace regenerative travel and uh, most recently the british columbia the 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 new bc economic plan came out and destination bc i think was mandated to shift to be very focused on sustainability that's entirely new language for them that was just last week we're going to have to kind of unpack them but you know, very quickly, 10, 10 leaders from Destination BC registered for the Impact Conference. So that's wonderful. So, you know, we're now seeing um, uh, 
this becoming a priority everywhere, but at the civic level or the resort level or wherever, we actually can interface between these theoretical concepts and make it happen on the ground. And that's what's really exciting while driving economic, um, economic sustainability as well, too. So it's a really exciting uh, place to be if you view it through a lens of optimism and solutions. So it is fair to say then that, that over the course of the pandemic, the concept of sustainability, the other elements of it, they were always there, the, the economic and the social piece. When you talk about reconciliation, I mean, that yeah. speaks deeply to the idea of social uh, regeneration and sustainability. And it has to happen over this country. Um, you know, we have an authenticity problem now based on during during the pandemic, not only did events like George Floyd happen, but 2000 indigenous children's graves in an imperialistic right. history of tourism that we're accounted for. So you are saying that apart from the environmental issues, there's the social issues of which of which one of them would be the reconciliation piece and then the economic piece. We still must drive business. We just have to do it in a thoughtful way. And you talked about attracting the right visitor. That was an interesting thought. You and I have a friend, Woodrow Oldford, who is yeah. in Panama now working for Promptur. His angle on all of this was to take the environmental plan for, for regeneration in Panama and see if he could work that against a target visitor. Uh, similar to what you're doing? Yes, absolutely. And we've been doing it for a, a long time and it addresses a lot of our, our kind of fundamental challenges such as seasonality. But we want to take it a, a, ne a next step. And I think um, the other angle around this, and I was having this conversation with David Miller, who's with C40 now, and he'll be at Impact, and he was the former mayor of Toronto. And he was curious as to why he should get involved and all that type of stuff. And he was also curious, you know, why I was lobbying so hard for things like reopening of, of borders and, and to get the travel industry going again. It seems like it's incru incongruous at, at first. But what's really unique about Victoria and many other of our, our communities is that the, the, the visitor economy enterprises, the private sector enterprises are mostly locally owned here. And if during the pandemic, if they were to tip into receivership and they would be picked up for pennies on the dollar by a, a foreign conglomerate, we'd still have motor coaches here. We'd still have attractions. We'd still have hotels, but we couldn't actually deliberately plan our future together. Right. So I think this is why I was such a vocal advocate. And sometimes I think a thorn in the side of some of our federal partners and our provincial partners to say, we need to get open again, not be the last entity in the world that is open because Otherwise, in spite of um, wage subsidies and things like that, our local ownership will disappear. And you cannot plan deliberately for all those pillars of the stool, whether it be social, economic, environmental, social justice. If all of your tourism assets are owned elsewhere, you know, good luck trying to organize a, a progressive tourism agenda as opposed to locally invested um, partners. So that is exactly why, you know, the concept of, of local ownership and the change that it can drive I really came home to roost for me during the pandemic as well, too. Well, and I am utterly fascinated at this. If you had asked me, you know, even a year ago, middle of the pandemic, um, where would the concept of stakeholder engagement, where would the concept of equity, diversity, inclusion land? I would have seen them as three, you know, three pillars, sustainability, you know, equity, diversity, and inclusion, and stakeholder engagement. In my opinion, they're all coming home to roost under the under the moniker sustainability you can't have a successful destination that as you just pointed out in your in your business example that doesn't have 
and engage base of stakeholders are on the ground and have skin in the game in that destination. Right. It doesn't, exactly. it doesn't work with, with remote. I can't pull the leaders together to say, well, how are we going to drive forward together if they're just a local manager from something that's offshore, right? There's always going to be a little bit of that in every destination, but if it's, if it's predominantly that, um, what we're so blessed here in, in Victoria with and, and, and why, you know, maybe we're good leaders in this. First of all, sustainability is just how we live. And those are our community values, our shared community values. But we are blessed with local ownership, uh, whether that be the Oak Bay Marine Group, the Inner Little Point, the Bouchard Gardens, Wilson's Transportations, every spectrum, the accent ends um, and hotels at. These are local engaged owners um, who care very deeply about how they want the visitor economy to be positioned within the, the matrix of the overall society here. And so I think if they were all to be wiped out by the pandemic economically, and they all do rely on international travelers and U.S. travelers, then I, we couldn't even have these conversations, right? So I think this is why, you know, I was so, so vocal, um, you know, on their behalf that we, we couldn't be a backward, inward-looking country. Um, you know, we needed to be back in the business of tourism, but do it in an environmentally friendly and a socially inclusive manner. And well, I, don't think, and I, I don't think any I don't see any any conflict there whatsoever, right? I, and uh, I don't see any either. I think it's as yeah. if three three rivers have converged, you know, into the confluence of one powerful stream. It just speaks to me of the idea that you know when when civic duty, engagement, economics, equity, diversity, inclusion, and and sustainability all come back together in a single central place, then we have a mandate for literally the population of the world who who can clearly recognize. Now, some interesting thoughts, though. The early work we did on sustainability was often colored by the idea of the throws that places like Barcelona and Venice were going through. Yep. I, I've often said, you've often said actually publicly that, you know, the, the work at European Cities Marketing was a harbinger of the pressures we faced. Now, isn't it interesting? The pressure in the end was manifest in the form of COVID, but you really faced the same thing in Victoria which was the the residents saying, we're not sure what we need tourism to be when it comes back, but we need it to be different. And then, I mean, you've taken some very um, um, progressive and, and sometimes controversial steps around things like like um, the shipping industry and, and the cruise industry and stuff like that. I'm, I'm you know, Paul Nursey, you've done that in consult with your with your residents and your citizens, haven't you? Yeah, and you know the cruise industry, I think, is great because I think this is a great example. Uh, again, back to local ownership, we have a very, very, very progressive harbor authority here, and it was divested from the federal government. It is not a crown corporation; it's run by a local airport authority. So they're investing in things like shore power and uh, making sure people are walking from the from the ships, and it's probably the greenest port operation you're going to find. And so, back to local ownership, and then on the cruise sector itself, it's really about the segmentation again, too, and and. What's interesting about the cruise sector in Victoria is that it funds so many local amenities. And now that it was gone, I think our residents are appreciating it more. But again, we are the ones as a destination writ, writ large, and we've got a great harbor authority here that says, how can we harness this revenue that's coming into, into the town and make it work for a positive outcome, right? And so that's a very, it's very tricky. It's a very tricky thing, and it's, it's, it's not easy, and there is, there is conflict there. It's gonna be an interesting summer when cruise comes back this year, right? So I think it's gonna be interesting how that plays out. The other piece that I think is really, really vital is the conference business. Over investing in that, because not only is that the best business in terms of revenue, it's actually where the world's problems get solved. By meeting and convening is actually how we actually are gonna address some of these things. And not virtually, not on a Zoom call, but actually um, together. 
And so, um, you know, uh, I think um, our residents um, ha have had a, a cold wake-up call as to what happens when the visitor economy goes away. And they're also missing the vibrancy and the amenity and all the great restaurants and the galleries that were supported. But we can't take that for granted either. We need to make sure that, you know, we're respectful of the desires of, of, of our residents, which is why we operate in such a green way, completely carbon neutral, um, you know, engaging in the biosphere process, really wanting to, um, to, to, um, to, to deliver the best possible visitor experience. Um, and that's, that's a difficult, difficult task because we are almost retrofitting. You know, we are, we are a mature destination. Uh, we're having to, you know, um, change our segments. I'm not, I'm no longer involved in many segments of the tour and travel market, for example. Um, some, some segments are very, very important, but some are very low yield and that, that business can just happen. But as a tourism board, we're not going to get involved in that, right? So I think um, where we're going to spend our additive time is in only the best segments. Well, let, let me speak about that for a second then, because that that um, portents a shift in budget priorities too. So yeah. whereas in my personal experience is we shifted marketing budgets to engagement budgets, and we saw a greater lift socially than we had in marketing. What kind of investments are, are you talking about? What kind of shifts for our friends and peers who are out there who runs destinations? Where have you where have you moved those resources, or how have you moved those? Resources? Yeah. So I mean, this is going to sound really really um, simplistic, but I think you know, talking to everyone, it's about targeting um, the customer personas, as marketers would call them, that really align with the values of the community. And so I've used this example many, many times, but I want the traveler that's going to land here in the Inner Harbor from a seaplane in Seattle or fly from San Francisco, but offset that flight and go straight to a farmer's market and want to engage with local artisans, right? This is a, and this is our persona, our target persona. And we want the best thought leaders here um, in the winter holding conferences here and then engaging with our customers and staying at one of our four or five hotels, which operate on a completely carbon neutral basis. And we can make that happen and we do make that happen. So what we're shifting away from is more the mass tourism. We're not as engaged in mass tourism activities and that's a broad label. I don't, you know, it's, it's been a so lot does of time, that, but... Does that mean you've, you've moved away from mass tourism marketing then in any significant yes. way? Uh, well, we don't have enough budget to do mass communications ever, right? We're a $10 million bureau. So even our big marketing campaigns are very, are very surgical by their nature. So we are going into um, five cities tomorrow, actually, on March 1st with our largest campaigns ever. We're spending all of our restricted reserves to get revenues back to those local businesses, as I mentioned, um, but it, it's hyper-targeted. And so, um, you know, uh, you know, it'll be between two and $3 million spread across five cities. And we know exactly the profile of the visitors that we're trying to acquire, get that first party data and develop a relationship with them. Well, and you know, those visitors have their own channels, so there's no point broadcasting to them, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah, exactly. It's more about inspiring. Absolutely. Okay. So that's a good point to talk about. Um, one other thing that's really come to its own during the pandemic, which is you were on a trajectory of getting people to talk about sustainability. That's what I call it. Paul Mercy has been for five years getting us to talk about it. And thank you for that. I, I mean that sincerely. Yeah. Um, but it everything accelerated. The foot, you know, the foot ended up on the gas pedal, and there is nowhere that anybody with any sort of uh, deep credibility and sustainability isn't talking about regeneration now. You touched yes. on it earlier. 
Um, the idea of sustainability is you do things so that they can be maintained, but that's not good enough to rebuild right. your city. Right. So talk to us a little bit about regeneration for those of us that have yeah. heard a lot about it, but please. Yeah, I know it was really interesting because I'll, I'll be honest, about three or four years ago, our partners in the Impact Sustainability Conference, Synergy Enterprises, one of our founding partners started raising this concept of regenerative tourism. And I, I was still wrapping my head around um, sustainability. In fact, I was still trying to figure out what the circular economy was. And I thought that held a lot of promise and I believe it still does. Um, but, you know, I, I honestly thought they were making the word up, but they weren't. Uh, other, people, <laughs> other people were using it, but they, but it shows what great four running leaders they are at Synergy Enterprises. Um, regenerative tourism, and there's some great stuff circulating on LinkedIn about this right now, is the whole concept that a traveler's impact on a destination they need to leave it better than they found it before, right? And so that can be done many different ways. Um, how we do it is with our offsetting program. You know, we offset every single um, bit of carbon, both here at the DMO and at the conference center and our, all of our major events that we operate. Um, and then we're, we're going to move to be carbon positive. So it's actually a net benefit. So that's like an easy transaction that, we, that, that we're making sure that the local um, forest canopies here are, are benefit from that. We're actually, this is going to sound, you know, very back in 1970s, but we feel like we're saving the whales. We're, we're investing in some food source for our, our um, along with other operators, the whale watchers, our float plane companies and others. We're investing actually to feed the southern resident killer whales who through something called the Stuk Netpan project because they are starving. They are being disrupted by shipping patterns and they only eat certain types of salmon and that type of stuff. So that's, you know, the, the visitor economy making a net investment um, to do that. And then on top of that, um, you know, there's there's some there's some operators that are actually in the food business but they do tours and we take conferences out to them um an example would be cascadia seaweed and they actually um their their seaweed um you know agribusiness is a net positive carbon capture plus it produces wow. food and we're we're finding that as you know it's not as purpose but it's actually becoming a bit of a tourist attraction um it, it, as well so um I, I think uh i think it's um you know these are the types of concepts that we're all moving to and what's really exciting those are the real leaders but every tourism business behind it is doing their own thing whether that be the unglamorous things that are behind you know back of the house whether that be you know more interesting or sexy things um that engage the visitors directly for example when our fairmont empress closed our large you know iconic you know, hotel had to close for the pandemic because they didn't have a business model to sustain it. They took the opportunity, a very conscious opportunity to take that time to completely redo their heating and boiler system to reduce their carbon footprint, right? So um, this is the type of thing that's happening everywhere. And I think that's a, as a bridge economy, how we can all march forward together. Paul, can I ask you a really pointed question there that that'll help a lot of people? You've said you've got um, Destination Victoria to carbon neutral status and it's, yeah. and it's yearly footprint without without being indiscreet can you tell me the cost magnitude of that what is it is it 10 percent yeah. of cost is it 50 it's, it's we've all got to face it yeah it's less than one percent and it's in the tens of thousands of dollars but um, um but what i would say is that it's not just a matter of writing a check it's a multi-year process right first you have to inventory everything it's a very thoughtful process you have to engage your whole team you have to make discrete choices for example, we're moving in a few months, we're moving to a smaller pro-hybrid environment, which will also have a, a, a lower carbon footprint. So, but we, but we still have to go on business travel and we still have to 
you know, develop business. So, you know, our activities will generate uh, carbon, um, but we are, you know, through an investment that is not huge, uh, but it's not token either. It's a meaningful investment. We are then working with a very credible offsetting program called Offsetters, ironically, and they take everyone, all their clients, and then they scale that regeneration because then they can invest in projects at scale. That's fantastic, and and it's coming. It's coming like like I heard of, of elk really quickly. Um, I don't think there's a single significant Fortune 500 company or a major tourism destination organization that isn't realizing it can't show up at conferences without having offset the carbon. I, I just imagine sitting on a panel at your conference in May with David Miller, and the first question is, did did everybody offset their their carbon footprint to get yeah. here? You know, it's relevant. And we offset the whole conference, um, and uh, hopefully the individual delegates will do the same. But it, it, you know, it's it's not a small investment, but it's not an overwhelming investment. It's 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 table stakes these days, right? Fair enough. All right, so that leads us in. Let's talk about this year's conference. We know yeah. that we know that sustainability is taken on a much greater mantle, and and I think that's good. It gives the whole concept more momentum, inertia, whatever you want to call it. And the idea of regeneration is on the table. People are talking about offsetting. It's becoming mainstream. Tell us about this year's conference. Well, I'm really going to just dive into three examples. Um, but you know, impact has always been where innovation meets theory, right? Because there's a lot of conferences where you can go to and you can have a plenary session on sustainability. What is it? Maybe get a couple con concepts that you can take away for further investigation. The benefit of impact is while we do talk conceptually for a little bit, most of it is actually about solutions. Um, you know, we want people to come away with tools that they can use and apply, and we want folks to be inspired that this isn't too daunting. They can actually take something home and apply it because there are a million different tourism conferences out there. And our unique value proposition is that we're that, and we're not just, you know, talking about it in, in vague general terms. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of work around um, uh, decolonialization um, led by the Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada, and that's their program to drive. But I'm really excited about a couple of different things. One of them is we're doing a, um, a Pecha Kucha focus on clean technology solutions for um, the travel industry. So Sorry, Pecha, Kucha, uh, uh, Pecha Kucha, yeah, give us that one. Pecha Kucha is 20 by 20. It's a Japanese style of presentation. We make sure that, that you know, um, you can only give a few slides in a very timed um, uh, format and focuses on engagement. And we'll have all these clean technology solutions focused on the travel industry, presenting and engaging the audience in a Pecha Kucha style. So that's super cool. Um, you know, the other piece that we're really focusing on is, is youth, uh, the perspectives of youth. Um, and uh, because, you know, if you're not uh, an engaged, switched on employer, Good luck attracting and retaining labor in this market and this is not a labor conference it's a tourism labor conference but we want to make sure that our by doing the right things through a sustainability lens you're more attractive as an employer um, and then the final piece uh, i'll add um, and then we can you know um, unpack it a little bit is this whole idea around destination stewardship and destination management but through a practical lens you can join one of the sessions that we're really looking forward to that um, and i'm really going to dive into this concept of local ownership local control and then with, with local um ownership and control then you can have real conversations about equity and you know how the economic benefits of the visitor economy are actually dispersed in a fair manner things like living wage discussions can actually happen um you know um because you have locally invested owners and this is not any kind of rallying cry or anything else like that 
it's just a benefit. It's a benefit. And how can we, you know, help drive our industry continue to evolve and adapt um, in a way that we can be deliberate about it as opposed to reactive? Well, I, I'm really glad you threw the youth thing in there because I am seeing, I'm, you know, I, I, I think I've re, I've re um, integrated the word hope into my dialogue, which it seems yeah. like it's been a long time, but it's that late Gen Z, uh, sorry, that late um, millennial, early, early Gen Z cohort who's really demanding that the work they do is meaningful and impactful and sustainable. Paul, that was you and I at 20, but we get, we get, we get smoothed down by erosion. We get, you know, into the corporate role. Um, we take good jobs. We progress. I'm watching a youth cohort, the likes of which I've never seen before, that if they can stick a little harder to their principles, they're going to be an amazing force that moves exactly. this whole thing forward, aren't they? That's right. And they deserve a platform. And we, and as, as you know, older leaders, let's be honest, you know, closer to retirement, um, we need to be plugged in enough to listen to the dynamics of the bring because, you know, just a matter of fact, their post-secondary education is much more relevant than ours because it's more current. Right? And, yeah. uh, you know, the stewardship of the industry and the stewardship of the planet will be passed to their hands soon. And so I think um, while we may have a bit more experience, it, it serves us well to actually be, you know, eyes, eyes open and, and ears open and listening. I agree 100%. Um, I was recently uh, at our annual retreat for SimpleView. There's over 100 new employees, and I'm going to say that two-thirds of them are under under 35 years old. And you could feel it in the room. Their work has to mean something to them. It has to be That's right. That's more right. than a nut to a bolt. And, and I'm I'm counting on that. I'm going to feed it and leverage it as you as you are with the impact conference. But I think that, that holds uh, Harbinger a positive opportunity for us, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I think as employers, and this is you know heading into a different direction, but it links back to sustainability in a way. We all need to make sure that our employee value proposition is there, and that's a concept. I know I'm working on that with our good friend Tammy Bonf Canavan on that to really hone that, so that we really are delivering that message beyond just representing the pride of place of our destination, right? So, yes, you know, yes. a, a program like Impact is very meaningful for our employees as well too. So it's uh, it's got some different size benefits. Okay, impact shaping up to be exciting. I'm I'm really excited to be there. I'm really excited to to sit down, literally on a panel with David Miller, who I watched uh, his morality uh, roll out over Toronto over eight years. Fantastic stuff. Um, let's talk about though a couple things just for the people who can't necessarily make it. One, the white paper will be circulated. Um, yeah. I'm sure even if you haven't been there, you get to read it, right? Yes. So every every conference we do something called the day. Uh, no, no, the day of impact is a different thing that we do. This is called uh, the. Uh, um, it's a yeah. It's a white paper. It's basically um, a proceedings paper, and we make it available online. Um, we want to share it, um, and then inspire others to come. And then hopefully next year um, we'll 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 do more outreach into different communities. Um, we've talked about Impact X or different models. We might be looking for a, a fifth strategic partner to join us to help scale impact around the world. We've had requests around the world to partner with Impact and take it to different cities. Or cities. You know, that inherently becomes a conflict of interest as a tourism board for Victoria, um, you know, but, you know, Impact, Impact has developed a brand over five years. So after we get through this conference, you know, we'll be looking likely for a partner to help take Impact with us globally. So uh, well, that'll be quite I'm, interesting. I'm going to say this, and I, and I mean it quite sincerely. It does seem reaching sometimes when places like Victoria reach 
well above their station and start talking about global issues. But I will tell you this, there is no question in my mind that over the last five years, one of the key elements that drove the sustainability zeitgeist on the island in Victoria was the fact that you were reaching above your station and you were talking about things that were happening in the world. And I know your board would agree that in the end, impact, albeit it seems out of the lane maybe directly for tourism Victoria, has had a huge impact on Victoria. So I, I encourage all our destinations to reach like that. Would you do great work internationally? And it's acknowledged that just fuels the fire at home. No, absolutely. And, and it is an off-season conference as well, too. Um, not this year delayed to Omicron. So that, that was, you know, the, the economic foundation of it. But I appreciate the, the brand Halo has been very helpful. Um, and it has allowed us to become a bit of a center of excellence in this space, which has attracted other business. But, you know, it, it's fascinating to, that this little conference, which is still a struggle to pull off, um, you know, uh, but we love to do it. And we're so grateful for, to Simple View as, as sponsors, as we are with many others. Um, has really become its own brand and its own uh, solution center um, because it's still a daunting subject and we need to make it realistic. Well, you're doing a great job of that. Thank you. Um, last word to you, challenges we face over the next year in particular, and, and I, as I, my personal view is we're two years coming out of this. I know your time trajectory is about the same. We got the next year to face with and then we stick a peg in the ground for us five years out because by in five years, it will be 2027 and we better be exactly. well along in these goals. So, so give us some context a year and five years out. So I, I think the opportunity here is, is to be really deliberate in decision-making. And I think, you know, you know, you know, I have a, a little saying up on my wall, which I won't bore you with, but I think um, the decisions that you make today build on decisions from, from previous years. And if you constantly do the next right thing, you know, hopefully over five to seven years, you'll have a series of, of good decisions. A lot of these climate emergencies or, or urgent um, uh, uh, issues that, that stimulated this this conference coming together five or six years ago, you know, have a deadline of you know we have a, we have a, a city of Victoria um, carbon reduction plan by 2030. That's not that far away. So I think you know um, you know we we want a vital and supported visitor economy. And this, as I said a few years ago, if this isn't front and center in your destination now, it will be in a couple of years. Right, you know, uh, and hopefully you don't have to experience uh, atmospheric river or a heat dome to, uh, to to stimulate that and make it a home-based issue. But you know, climate change is is you know it's, it's now formally on the radar of Destinations International um, and their advocacy strategy, which is wonderful. Uh, but we have to deal with this and all the elements of sustainability. And it it's you can do it in a way that is economically viable, and that is our task. And that is our challenge, and it's incredibly stimulating to try and tackle it. So last thought, our friend Andreas Riesenborn says, um, destinations are uniquely positioned because of their ability to gather and tell stories, to bring communities together, to broach uncomfortable situations. They're uniquely positioned to do well at this. Do you agree? I certainly do. Absolutely, because we have our, whether you call it your stakeholder group, your membership group, your relations with local government, your ability to market and communicate, um, your research capability. We have all the tools that we need to become the clearinghouse in this space, um, but it needs to be a corporate priority. And that's where making sure that your board and your partners and your government um, partners are fully aligned. Well, and just last point to that, you are starting to see progressive destination organizations around the world 
taking exactly that role. And I can think of Lobiana, I can think of what's going on in Barcelona. I can think of our friends like Guy Bigwood of the TDSM. I can think of Bay of Plenty, New Zealand. It's, it's, it's the old saying, it's here, it's in pockets. I can think of Victoria, it's starting to happen. And we need to look at those places and learn, don't we? Yeah, I think so. And, and I think the lesson from Victoria is that you don't have to um, compromise on commercial success for a moment. You know, we had the best ADR in, in British Columbia for urban destinations last year, right? My number one metric will always be production. Fortunately, I'm in a mid-sized city that's got a great brand, and I just need to pick those right segments and make sure that they help regenerate our destination. Paul Mercy, it's always inspiring and uplifting to talk to you. I can't wait for the conference. I know it's going to be three days of intense thinking and about two nights of fever dreams to unpack it all, but I'm looking forward to it. Well, thanks for the opportunity to share it with you today, David, and thank you to Simple View for the partnership.